today on It's Time. Isn't that good to know that we're going to a world that doesn't experience decay? I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. Revelation chapter 21. Now when you really realize the carnage that the world had gone through the previous uh, tribulation period, then you have the millennial reign of Christ, and you realize that now God is going to make a brand new deal. Everything becomes new. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also. Because he said, in my Father's house are many living places or dwelling places. The old King James uses the word mansions. But there's a place prepared for you forever in eternity. And I like that. In other words, we'll be no stranger there. Somebody said one time, well, we'll be no stranger there than we are here. But the point is, is that we'll be no stranger in heaven, that God has prepared a place for every one of us. If you miss what we're going to read today, because of the enticements of the world or whatever, you've missed everything. Nothing else really matters if you miss Revelation chapter 21. Why is that? Because that is eternity. And friends, eternity is eternity. Eternity is a long time to spend in the wrong place. And so Jesus wanted you to know what heaven is like. Now, there's a lot of stuff that goes on today in the Hollywood scene. What is heaven like? In fact, you can go to Christian bookstores and, you know, my uncle Fred died and he came back to life and he started describing everything about heaven and how, you know, different things were going on there. Well, Paul the Apostle was caught up in the third heaven, beheld God in his glory, and he said it would be a crime for me to try to describe what I saw there. In other words, I could not put into real words what would really convey what heaven would be like. It would be a sin for me to try to describe in earthly terms what heaven is like. That's what Paul said. We have a better description here from Jesus himself giving us a better definition, glimpse, of what awaits our eternal home. And again, not what we convey for Hollywood or whatever, but really what the Bible says heaven is like. And so I always want to remember, I want to keep God's definition of things rather than man's definition of things. This is one of the great problems that we find in the world right now, uh, whether it comes to faith or how you believe in Jesus. You'll talk to the cults. The cults will all use all the same words that you do. 
Jesus, heaven, hell, salvation, uh, all these words. They'll use the same words, but here's the catch. With completely different uh, descriptions. Uh, depending on who you talk to, Jesus is the half-brother of Lucifer. If you talk to other, they'll say, well, Jesus is really nothing more than Michael the archangel. If you'll talk to people in Middle Eastern religions, well, Jesus is all of us. I'm Jesus, you're Jesus, cuckoo, cuckoo, we're all here. Jesus was one of the greats. They'll, they'll, they all have a diff, they'll all use the same words, but with completely different definitions. Well, here we find Jesus describing to us through the writer John of what your eternal home is going to be like. Having a bad day, don't lose sight of what we're reading today. This is your ultimate home. And it starts off in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven. Now, again, this is um, really interesting because it's not a reformed old or a rebuilt. Sometimes, you know, we look for deals and it'll say reconditioned. You know, you ever seen that? You go to the store and it'll say reconditioned on it. It means it's not new. It's meant that somebody's already had the opportunity to break it. And then the factory's fixed it and sent it back out to you. But it's not reconditioned. This is of a whole new sort. The word in the original language. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. That's why we know it's not a reformed earth. It's a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. There's no more sea. Now, the other thing we find here interesting is it says the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. So we have something that transcends even the ground we stand on because of God's word. God is going to make a brand new world. Now, one of the reasons people have asked the question, why does God do this? I think God wants to do something brand new for his bride. I really do. I, I really think that God's going to, to, to um, just crush on us like we have never been dreamed of before. I, I think he, he wants to do something so totally new, he completely scraps the old one. Now, the old one's kind of neat. You know, you go out like the last couple of days here in southern Idaho, and it's kind of crisp air, and you see the leaves changing colors, you see the mountains with some snow on them. You go, that looks pretty cool. God's going to say, I'm going to make a brand new thing. I like that. God's going to do something brand new. Now, remember this. God is the author of newness. Not only in this world, but also in you and me. God wants to do something new in our life every day. Again, God's one of the greatest deliverers of the rut. You know what a rut is? It's a coffin with the ends kicked out. And God delivers us from mundane living. Because when you're led by the Spirit of God, there's a newness, a freshness that comes from the Holy Spirit where his promises, as King David said, are new every morning. That's something God does. So whenever you begin to think, oh, it's just get up, kiss the wife, pat the kids on the head, go to work, come home. You know, God's got something brand new. 
Yes, it'll include those things, but God wants to do so much more. He makes things new, makes things new in your life. If you've come in here today and you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders, I got some good news for you. God's got a new plan for your life. God's got a whole new life for you if you'll let him live his life through you. The problem with our life and God's life is they're mutually exclusive. You say, what does that mean? You can only have one. You're either going to have God's life in your life or your life in your life. And that's what we repent from when we become a Christian. When we become a Christian, we say, I see my life not going really where I thought life should take me. And that doesn't mean necessarily because of failures. You may be one of the most successful people in the world listening to this today, thinking that if I got all the money I ever could use or whatever it is I ever wanted, I would be happy you're here. But you know there's still something missing in your life. That's what I'm talking about. Because the things of the world will never truly satisfy your soul because the things of the world, here it is, get old. Wow. It don't matter how new your car is, you're going to get a door ding in it. Doesn't that just warm your heart? Well, the thing is, no matter what it is, it's perishing in this world. God wants to bring newness to you his promises are new every morning. So the first heaven passed away. The earth had passed away and there was no more sea. God makes a brand new deal for us. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. By the way, new city. Hmm. Coming down from where? from heaven. And in this world, God makes something brand new. He has to be the author of all things new. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, that means, hey man, look, hey, look at this. The tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and he shall be his people and God himself. He will, he will be with them and be their God. Uh, by the way, I, I really like that again. Um, God doesn't want you to be estranged from him. You know, I, I have found, I believe, one of the greatest things that will separate a person from God will be sin, and this will get you, and the other thing, I think, will be religion. Because religion, apart from true following God's word, will separate you from God. And they say, well, how can that be? Because we try to approach God in religion. Uh, uh, look how good I did. Look at all the I's I dotted and all the T's I crossed and how I went out and sold flowers in airport. All the stuff that we do. And God says, those things have separated you from my love. You're putting in place between you and me your works. And your works is not what God's looking for. Jesus Christ is reaching out from the Father to you, saying, I love you. Now notice, he says, he will dwell with them. That's God's whole heart, is to dwell with us. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, wait a minute, this is a weird verse. We're in heaven now. 
And what's this wiping away every tear from our eyes? You mean people are still going to have tears in heaven? Well, the Bible here says that Jesus wipes away the tears from their eyes, so evidently there might be some tears. What causes tears in your life? You know, there's a lot of things that we think about. We think about memories. We think about things that we've missed, opportunities in our life. There's a lot of things we've thought about in our lives that bring tears. I believe some of the tears could be, and it actually tells us what some of these tears are caused by. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. Again, the word tears and crying. There shall be no more pain. The former things have passed away. No more aspirin. You think about it for a minute. How much pain have you, has you, have you had in your body? No more pain. That just sounds, if nothing else was here, that's enough to sell me on heaven. I can do, you know, it's a weird thing. I can do anything I could do today, I could do when I was 30. I just take two months to pay for it, that's all. The things I used to be able to do, yeah, I can still do. I don't do them as long. And I pay for it the next day. But the point is, is this. No more pain. No more tears. But what are the tears caused by? What can some of the other tears be caused by? I believe that possibly when we get to heaven, we're going to look at the splendor, the majesty of God after the thousand year reign. And we're going to finally see this place where we're going to spend forever And the Bible says God's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. I wonder sometimes if it isn't tears of remorse. Where you look and say, oh God, all the time I spent knowing you playing on the wrong side of the fence. All all the times I known you doing things that I knew were not pleasing to you. That I could have spent telling more people about this wonderful place that they could have come to. Having maybe been more tuned into your spirit to know what their heart was thinking so that I could address that in the spirit so they could have spent eternity in this place as well. I don't know. I think tears can be tears of remorse as much as they can be of pain. And so he says, Then I saw he who sat on the throne, and behold, I make all things New. By the way, saints, if you like to underline things in your Bible, that's a good one to underline. I make all things new. The understanding in this verse is that God does not just make all things new. Here's the good part. It's that the things that are new don't get old. I don't mind new things. It really bums me out when I see new things get old. I don't care whether it's a rake you bought last year that you leaned up against your garage, that as you go out to get your rake that you leaned up against the garage and you go to grab it, all the varnishes come off and it's got splinters and you go, that was just a year old. Have you noticed how much stuff falls apart? I mean, not just us, but I'm saying everything, okay? Remember the good old days? We always talk about that. Warranties. Ever thought about warranties? That means they guarantee their product to be good for so many days or your money back. Now, in the old days, warranties was just to make sure there was no manufacturer's defect because this 
crazy thing you just bought is going to last 100 years. But today the warranty tells you how long it's going to last. Kind of scary, huh? Well, when you think about it, God makes all things new, but they remain new. There's no more devo. There's no more deterioration. That's great. That means no more wrinkles. That means no more rust. That means no more destruction. And so he says, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. In other words, you can take it to the bank. You can count on it. Isn't that good to know? That we're going to a world that doesn't experience decay. Now, when you go to the dentist and he says, open wide, you go, not in heaven. Don't have to do it. No more decay. No more decay of your body. No more decay of the environment. No more decay of anything. We're there with the Lord forever. And he said, it is done. Oh, wow. I wish I could say that about things, don't you? You ever paint your house? And you look back and I go, well, I finished it. Well, not really. I still got to do the trim. Not really. I still got to paint the railing on the steps. We, I don't think human beings can ever say it is done. It is mostly done, if you know what I'm saying. You know, you get your car. I got my car fixed. Well, most of it, there's still some holes in the seat or whatever. I can't say it is done, but God can. God can finally look at the whole picture of humanity from beginning to end, from Genesis to this point, and say, it's done. It's finished. God is a finisher of things. Isn't that great to know? You may not be, I may not be, but God is. Jesus died on the cross. What did he say? It's mostly done. No, he didn't say that. He said, it is finished. It's complete. Telestai in the Greek. He means it's completed. It's what an artist would do when they're painting a painting and they finally put the last brushstroke on and they say Telestai and they sign their name on the picture. That's what God does. God is the finisher of things. It is done. I am Alpha and Omega beginning in the end. I will give of the fountains of water Life freely to him who thirsts. Now notice this. I'm Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. This is, we, we just read these words sometimes and we don't think about it. You know what that verse says? I'm Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. God lives in all times present. I don't know that. Everything I know has a date to it. Whether it's the quart of milk that expires October 19th, or whether it's a car that's 10 years old, everything you and me know has a date tied to it. But God is outside of time. This is what makes Jesus coming to the world as we celebrate at Christmas time so unusual is that God stepped out of eternity, all times present, and he stepped into man's reality of realm of time. That's weird. God lives in all times present. That's why the Bible says, and sometimes we come across it, it says, to those to whom he's predestinated. The predestination was not based upon God saying, oh, I like you. Oh, you're ugly. I'm sending you to hell. I like, oh, you're cute. I'll keep you. That's what Calvinism is. 
And uh, by the way, I always tell anybody, whenever you identify with anything other than true Christianity, you got any ism, you got to be careful. Mormonism, you know, Calvinism, all these things. We always want to identify with Christ, not with... Uh, and somebody say, well, isn't Calvinism Christianity? I go, well, if it was, then why are you using that name? Think about it for a minute. That teaches that, well, God predestinated some people on this earth to go to hell and some to go to heaven. And God goes, no. Just because God knows the decisions that you and me make doesn't mean that we did not have the freedom to make those decisions. I cannot fault God for knowing all things and blame him for my decisions. God, because he lets us live our lives out to prove the decisions we'll make, because he already knows who makes it and who doesn't, that's why the Bible can say we're predestinated. And that's something we always want to remember. For God so loved the what? World. He gave his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe in him. It doesn't say for God so loved the predestinated ones. And if the predestinated ones would believe in him, no, it doesn't say that. Jesus said in the Great Commission, go preach the gospel to what? Every creature. He didn't say go preach the gospel to the predestinated ones. Some people take this to such an extreme that they don't even give altar calls at the end of a message in church. Well, if you're going to figure it out, you're going to figure it out. If you're a predestinated one, you'll figure it out. If you're not a predestinated one, we'll go to hell. It's crazy stuff. Predestination simply means God sees this world from his eternal perspective. You may have a a DVD or a, a hopper or something else of the last Super Bowl game. And, and uh, you, you watched the game, you know how it came out. But you have to remember, you can't blame your DVD or your hopper saying, that DVD made me lose the game. No, that's just what happened. Well, God happened to have the DVDs, the hopper on every one of our lives that's ever lived on this earth. I can't blame God because he knows the decisions I make. But that's where you and me come in, to reach a lost world so that they would make the right decision. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.